Welcome to the Labcast by IAOA with your host, Captain Dave Jackson. Good morning, Collabcast listeners. This is Captain Dave Jackson coming to you from a very cloudy Hendersonville, Tennessee. Today, Nashville area. Today, we got a little overcast, uh, but that's okay. We've had some serious heat. I know those of you in the eastern coast or so, eastern half of the U.S., have seen a lot of humidity and hot, super hot days this summer. And I have with me one of my guests who's right there on the coast the Gulf Coast, and uh, probably been sweating it out this summer. Bradley Flowers from Mobile, Alabama. Welcome, Bradley. I was at Disney World last week, and you could see the humidity uh, in the oh, air. Yeah, you can't even breathe. I, no, I mean, not at all. Ki- kids tolerate that, and they just, they're sweating, and they don't even know. But how do you do that as an parent in the middle of July? That's crazy. You just deal with it, man. You just, you just realize you're going to get all nasty and sweaty and you just deal with it and still jam-packed right with people yep yeah oh yeah it was uh it was a there was a it was funny i tweeted this you know we went to disney in 2020 and uh they were all covid conscious i mean if your yeah. mask got a quarter of an inch below your nose they would yell at you to pull it up and then oh, on know. the flip side th- this time it was please fill all available space it was like the complete opposite so I was uh, there in 2022. I, they wouldn't let the characters were on the ground. They had them up on balconies so you couldn't get close. Had to wear the mask yeah. the whole bit. Yeah, it was crazy. Yep, yep. <laughs> funny, funny. So Bradley is with Portal Insurance, as you can see in the background, uh, if you're on video. And uh, there you go. And uh, Portal Insurance, interesting story. You got quite a story. Uh, and a lot of folks uh, who are listening right now, probably know a little bit of your story, but uh, I like to focus on my guests' uh, personal story, their career, their life track, their career track. And so let me start with you from the very beginning. So are you a native Alabaman? I am. I am. Um, And is that the right term, Alabaman, or is it Alabamian? Alabamian. However, uh, some people will will razz me for this. the town I grew up in was a town called Atmore. And the actual name for people from Atmore were Atmorons. Oh, nice. <laughs> literally, literally. I think some people try to get fancy and say Atmorian, but it's Atmoron. Wow. So do you yeah. consider yourself a moron? I do consider myself. Depend- <laughs> ask my wife. Right. Ask my wife. That, that, right. that would be a question for her. Most Depends days. on if I, if I remember to take the trash out or not. Most days. Yeah, I got you. That's funny. So high school, the whole bit, even college, Southern Alabama. Yes, I went to high school. I had 28 people in my graduating class. Um, There were 200 people in the entire school, K to 12th grade. It was a small private high school or small private school. Um, I went to uh, Faulkner, not private in like a fancy sense. Just it was just a private school. uh, I went to, uh, it was a solid C student, CD student. Uh, my parents probably, if you like, held a gun to their head and forced them to answer, they would, they're, they're probably still perplexed as to how I'm any kind of close to successful today based on how I did in school. 
but I was just not a good student. I, I, I almost treated school like a layover at the airport. I was just kind of transient, like I'm here until I don't have to be here anymore, basically. And uh, I went to college, uh, Faulkner State Community College, uh, which had a really good golf team. I played on the golf team there. Uh, Bubba Watson uh, played at that, oh, that yeah. college, and we had the same coach, actually. The guy, he's still there. Bubba um, had a good run. I haven't seen him lately, but he did have a he pretty did. good run. He's gotten older and had some injuries. Uh, he's mm. close to 50. He's, I think he's a lot older than people think, but uh, uh, he's maybe 45. But anyway, we, uh, I went to water for two years. I played golf. I majored in eligibility. Those of you that, that have done college athletics, you know what that means. And mm. then I uh, went transferred to the University of South Alabama. Went to school to be a teacher uh, because I would get summers off to play golf, which is not a good reason to go into teaching. Um, I got a job with Liberty National Life part time. I do not recommend it. So in life insurance, I made like sixty grand in my first six months, and I was in a class. And I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and I said, "Why the heck am I here? I just made double what a teacher makes starting salary in six months." Walked out of the classroom and didn't walk back in. So I, so I officially dropped out of college um, to to go full time in insurance. And I wish I'd I wish I'd have either finished or done it a few years earlier. So that's the the mm -hmm. short story. So your first day in the insurance industry is with Liberty National Life. Yep. Uh, you yep. answer you answer an ad or knew someone. How'd you get into that? I had a I had a buddy that uh, that worked there. And was a, a real good guy, you know, real, you know, good salesman, good businessman. Um, and he had, he basically talked me into it. And I liked, so growing up playing golf, I, the, the, the literal two people I knew that played the most golf were both insurance agents. <laughs> and so that's kind of what And you looked at that and you admired that. I was that, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's let's go. Now I never play golf, by the way. Um, and uh, so I went. I started with Liberty National, and then once I got there, I realized, like, wait a minute, I'm I'm, I'm very competitive. That's what I liked about golf and sports was the competitive aspect, competitive nature. I was like, wait a minute, this is like business, but I can also compete. Like I'm like sales is just as much of a sport as anything. And not only that, like I'm beating other agents and you know what I mean? And so sure. that, that sort of, I sort of fell in love with sales and business and I liked being a professional. And so I, I worked for Liberty for a year and, uh, you know, it, it taught me a lot. I mean, eat what you kill commission only, you know, how to really <laughs> sell life insurance. I uh, would never go back there, but I would never recommend somebody start there. But I went to work for a state farm agent um, because I wanted to learn PNC. I recognized, like, wait a minute, like if I go to the tallest building in Mobile, Alabama, every single car building structure I see is insured. Like everybody buys car insurance, everybody buys home insurance, every business owner buys business insurance. Not everybody buys life insurance. So. If I can transition to PNC and figure out who my target client is, like literally everybody I know can be a customer. So I wanted to transition to PNC. So I sought out a, a state farm agent. Um, my my starting salary there was $15,000 a year plus like 3% commission. So I told you how much money I made at Liberty before. I, I took a big pay cut to do that. 
but I really wanted to learn. And and I tell a lot of young people now, you know, people that there tends to be this trend amongst young people that they think success is linear or your career is linear. In other words, you're just going to go up. Well, sometimes it looks like this. You know, I took a huge pay cut. It always looks like that. I, yeah, I took a huge pay cut, but then propelled me forward. And I think it's the people that always just want to take a step forward are the ones that end up getting held back, you know? So mm -hmm. did that for a year, really learned how to sell PNC. Um, went to work for a company from there. I went to work for a company called Alpha Insurance, which is Alabama's version of Farm Bureau. They're sort of semi-independent, semi-not. I mean, we wrote more broker business than we did regular business. Um, but you're technically a career agent. Yeah. Yeah. You have to write what uh, they tell you to write. Correct. Correct. Um, and so I did that for six and a half years, about three, about three years too long. I, I tell people this. I think the thing that kept me there, Dave, was the production report they sent out that showed where you were amongst all the agents because I like competing and beating okay. everybody. Okay. You know? So I want to chime in on that because you mentioned State Farm. And so with my career, I was all state agent twice, two different states. And okay. you're always number two in the market. State Farm was always the largest, you know, 21% market share and all states seven. So that's how right. you compare. So you always felt like you're on the JV team. Uh, so I moved to Arizona from Omaha, Nebraska 15 yep. years ago, and I had a chance to become a State Farm agent. So finally get a play on the varsity team, right? Put me in coach. And so uh, now I'm on the varsity team. And they like they put you into a dis sales district, thirty five or so roughly, and you have a district manager, and you get your production reports, your sales reports weekly. They did it weekly, and they do it by product line, and they rank you one through thirty five. If you were number thirty five, oh my gosh, I'm telling you, you just you you want to go hide that day every day that. Yeah, but if out. you're number one, you want everybody to see it. Oh, you're out there. Yeah, if you're number one, so. You know, I started scratch. I know you that what I know you know what that's like. So I started scratch. Uh -huh. Well, when you're scratch, you have no clients. So all you're doing is new business production. So you're going to rank pretty pretty high on those sales reports. You have to, uh, because you're, you know. So I ranked consistently number four. I couldn't. I was on number three's tail, and I was like, yeah, I'm competitive too, and so most entrepreneurs are. And I'm like just trying to nip and catch number three and uh it, it it doesn't even matter with them because i kept telling people when i then i uh after a year i went independent and i kept telling people forget the rankings okay why because number four doesn't even matter state farm cut me loose kicked me to the curb after a year because i didn't sell enough in the other categories so that was just their philosophy and i was a little bit too much of a rebel to be honest so I wanted to do things my way. I wanted to be independent, but those reports would keep you like, like I said, I've just, all I'm focused on and my team is let's catch number three this week and, you yeah. know, move up to three. Then we can move up to two and we'll, we'll be at one at some point soon. <clears throat> well, those, so, those reports kept me there, man. They yeah, did for yeah. probably three years and see, oh, I, I can totally relate. I got on social media big time in 2015 before anybody else was really in, in this area was using social media for business in, in insurance sense. Well, 
I was this like young whippersnapper that was full of piss and vinegar and, and it rubbed a lot of the older agents the wrong way. Like I made some enemies there just because if you've ever been in a, and some of you listeners probably know this, um, if you've ever been in a, uh, an industry and you're the first to do something and it works, you pick up some haters along the way. Oh, and especially if it's so different than the status quo, what I was doing was so different than the status quo. And, and not only that, uh, corporate liked what I was doing. So they pumped me, you know, and so I, I had built up some enemies there. So that just added fuel to the fire of me wanting to kick everybody's butt. You know, it was like, it, 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 it kept me there. And then, then finally I realized like, wait a minute, the, the person you're really competing with is yourself. Right. Are we all and, know that? Yeah. And, and that's on this independent side. Of course we have some carriers that send out reports and stuff. Um, I always like to send them back to Scott when we're ahead of him. But, uh, uh but yeah it's 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 very uh very vain it doesn't really matter no it doesn't but i do like uh i saw that subtle thing there i do like how whenever you get a chance you get a dig on scott he's one he's probably your best friend i know so whenever i can get a dig on scott bradley's gonna take it (laughs) both scott and i have uh we're both appointed with Allstate. We both have the Allstate independent contract. So Bradley, for those of you who don't are listening, don't know, Bradley is talking about Scott Howell. Scott's located where I protect. He's I protect. He's in Huntsville. So I'm at the bottom of the state of Alabama. He's at the very yeah. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I'll be he, driving uh, through Huntsville tomorrow. Oh, will you really? Yeah. Yeah, we both have uh we both have Allstate. And Allstate does send out a production report, which makes sense because they're capped it. So that, that you know, that's they're kind of hybrid culture. Yeah, yeah. And so one time they sent out a report, and uh, Allstate's just not competitive in Alabama. And uh, Scott and I, I was one policy ahead of Scott. He had one, and I had two. And we were both <laughs> at the bottom of the. And I sent it to him like, "Step up your game next yeah. time. We beat you by we beat you by double." That's good. <laughs> so that brings me to my next question. Uh, you've known Scott for how long? Scott and I met in 20, either 20, 2017, I think. How'd that happen? Uh, Snapchat, actually. What? Um, yeah. So the short story is um, actually down the street from my office here is an Irish pub called Callahan's. It's number one uh, burger in the state of Alabama every single year. They do a St. Patrick's Day party, and there'll be 5,000 people out here. Um, they have you know, concert stages and stuff. It's, it's a real fun time. Um, I ran an ad on Snapchat a few years ago during that party that we picked some business up from. This was when I was captive. And... I wrote a blog post about it, about how my ROI on that ad was like 300%. So I wrote a blog post, how I got 300% ROI on Snapchat. Um, that article was picked up by lifehealthpro.com, which was think it is now thinkadvisor.com. It's sort of like insurance journal, but just for uh, life and health agents. And that article was published there. I think it's still out there. and. From there, I got a phone call from the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal is doing a piece on insurance agents and financial advisors using alternative forms of advertising. Um, And I asked them during that interview, I was like, well, how many insurance agents do you have 
using Snapchat. And, and they said, as far as the Wall Street Journal is concerned, you're the number one insurance agent on Snapchat. Ha, 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 ha. And, and I was like, hang on a second. And the only one. <laughs> I was the only one. Yeah. And I said, hang so on a second. I'm going to go put that in my bio. So I put that on my social bio. I was like, you said it, you know, kind of as a joke. Well, Scott saw that, added me on Snapchat. We started talking. Huh. He uh, happened to be vacationing down here. Swung by my all. He was like, hey, I wasn't doing a ton of content back then. Um, this was before doing content was cool and nobody else wanted to do it. And he was like, hey, you want to do a piece of content? Sure. He had a little video series he was doing at the time. Uh, it's still out there on YouTube. He and I sat down in my office at my captive agency and we did a, a little, you know, 30 minute blurb where we were just talking about the industry and things. And at the end of it, he was like, we should do a podcast. I was like, if you pay for it, I'll do it. And so uh, that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. And and we're so we're so different in some of our philosophies and personality that it works. But we also align on very important things too. And it just it just works. Like I don't know a better partnership than he and I in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and coincidentally, that day that we shot that first video was I think two days before I proposed to my wife. Um, so I told him about that, that I was going to do that. So we like a lot of like really good life things happen just all at once, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the podcast through the podcast, meeting people like yourself and, and other folks in IOA and other, other industry verticals sort of gave me the stones to, to leave and open my own agency. And, uh, and so that's, that's, we ended up opening portal and, January of 2019. So, so whose idea was it to start um, Insurance Guys podcast? Oh, Scott. He he was the one that wanted to do it. Uh, podcast. Always at that the time. two of you. Was yeah. it always going to yeah, be yeah. the two of you? Just start uh-huh. it and continue it. Okay. Yeah, he started it. He named it. Uh, podcasting was the only vertical in social media that I hadn't done, so I just sort of did it to check the box. What ended up happening is we realized like, wait a minute. Uh, so like take Troy Korsgaden, for example. Right. Legend in the insurance space. Farmers, actually had lunch with him. Yeah, guy, yeah, yep. yeah, actually had lunch with him yesterday. He's here in town. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, if I reach out to Troy and say, hey, I would love a, a 30 minutes of your time, he may or may not say yes. And he's probably going to say no, right? People that are very busy, very important, you know, tend to not say yes to things. But if I say, hey, I want to interview you on my podcast, greatly increases the chance that people say yes. And so we sort of used the podcast to just get in front of people that we wanted to know. You know what I mean? Um, like who? Industry and, folks? Nothing really yeah. to do with with uh, writing insurance business. No, just like people who to learn from. You know, we, right, we, we, right. we brought people on selfishly. And so, but because of that, people started listening and, and things really clicked uh, a year later. A year later was when we were kind of like, okay, whoa, this is this is actually going somewhere. But the intent was always very pure. It was just to do it for the sake of do it. You know what I mean? We we never had this vision of like building this big thing and like getting all these industry connections and equity and companies and all. Like we never like that. I would love to say it was this big grand plan that it worked. It just kind of yeah. happened, you know. Right. So again, for those of you who are listening and don't know. Uh, Bradley is co-host with Scott 
on an insurance guy's podcast and you guys are up talk closing in on like episode number 300 or so we're getting close we're, so, we're very close to a million all-time downloads right so that um, give you an idea those of you who don't know give you an idea you've been at this now for what over five years uh six years this yeah. November. so both of you started this before you were independent age. correct we were both captive right um Scott was sort of semi-independent because Nationwide allowed them to get direct appointments on the commercial side right. a few years before Nationwide pulled the ripcord. Right. And I wrote some independent business, so we were familiar enough. But really, Dave, the reason we interviewed independent agents is they were the ones most willing to share. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a culture That's of so sharing funny. on the captive side of the industry. No, 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 no. Uh, and You're even if someone one wants to 35. share. Yeah. And even if someone wants to share, they're always scared. Like what's corporate going to think, you yep, know, 100%. So it's, it's that, that was why we interviewed like Chris Paradiso and Brandon Smith and uh, Matt and Zach with GNN insurance. Um, and Steve Holly, Steve Holly is a big, mm -hmm. you know, I love Steve Holly. Um, number one. I, I, number number one right? yeah. yep. I think he said that on our show, you know, so yeah. uh, these guys were just more, more willing to share so that's mm -hmm. that's why we went that route and then uh you know for me it was learning about all these cool things that you could do in the industry and my captive carrier not letting me do it so i was like well screw it i'd rather make less money in the beginning and be able to implement the things i want to implement than be dealt with corporate red tape you know sure sure so um no plans to discontinue insurance guys podcast right that's going to go on as long as it can as long as it at, lives. Yeah, at this at this yeah at this point we've got it we've got it systematized you know it is a business it's the easiest business i have <laughs> all we have to do is record everything else happens uh, right, after the right. fact but yeah no it's uh scott said from the beginning we wouldn't stop till we got the five thousand episodes so um five thousand Yep. And, and you know, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, That's retirement age, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I have definitely done the math on that. No, um, but it's funny. Uh, if you look at the math on how, you know, how to get your podcast in the top 1% of podcasts, mm -hmm. you do more than 62 episodes. That's all it takes. You just don't stop. Like that, most mm -hmm. people start it and they think it's going to be easy. And, it's not in the beginning and and why is um, that why is it not it's a high barrier to entry you know if you don't have a service you're using to edit and publish and that sort of thing you have to have some technical knowledge you've got to be good on audio you've got to ask good questions um you've got to be a, a bit entertaining and informational um, and, you know, for me, a lot of people don't know this. So I actually had a radio show in high school that I did. Um, there was a local radio station and they had a, uh, a show once a week. I think it was on Wednesdays called High School Today, where they would bring in a representative from each of the high schools in the area and do like, a, hey, this is what's going on, that sort of thing. So I, I had done that really young. So I had a little bit of experience in that, you know, so you have to be good too, you know. Um, but I think most people just get in it and they think they're going to pick up a million subscribers and they don't, you know, one story I like to tell 
is uh, Heath Sharon started his podcast. Insurance Town. Yeah, he called me. He was a month in, and he called me freaking <laughs> out, <laughs> freaking out, because he only got 200 downloads. Oh, my gosh. You're lucky to get and, two, two in the first month. And I was like, bro, I, I hit him with all my normal stuff. And I was like, look, you know, that's 200 people that care about what you like. Imagine putting 200 people in a room and every one of them's there. That's a lot of people. You'd be overwhelmed with that. Like, And it, it just wasn't getting through. And so finally I said, hang on a second. So I pull up Libsyn on my computer. And that's where we got our stats from at the time. And I had never even looked at this. I said, do you know how many downloads the Insurance Guys podcast got in the first 30 days? And he said, oh, like a thousand. I said, eight. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We got eight yeah. downloads and three of them were probably been my mom listening mm -hmm. multiple times. <laughs> and the other two were me. And he says, I'll shut up. And I said, that's exactly what I want you to do. Just if I had been paying attention to those stats in the beginning, I would have stopped too, probably. Yeah. You know, uh, you just, you gotta, I, I tell people when you start a podcast, commit to 50 episodes, commit to one year, you know, 52 weeks. And then, you know, something funny happens with those algorithms at 50 weeks. They start ranking your show a little higher. Um, you you got to do that. You can't. This isn't a do three episodes and all of a sudden you're famous kind of thing. It's no. not a do 300 episodes and you're famous. Probably not. Um, no. And, and the fact of the matter is, Dave, like, yeah, we make money from the podcast. Uh, we get a lot of industry connections that benefit our insurance agencies from the podcast. But if none of that happened, we would still be doing it. We mm -hmm. do it because we like doing it, yeah. not because we have to or yep. or or want to pay the bills or something like that. Yeah, same thing. I told uh, several people when I brought Collabcast back for IOI. Uh, I'm not taking on a sponsor. Don't want to sponsor. I mean, maybe someday, but not starting yeah. out. I, I yeah, you know, with my position, I could ask. I have a couple hundred folks I could yeah. ask. Yeah, yeah, uh, with the connections I have, and but that's not what it's about. We're not making money. I'm spending money, and it's all about helping the agents who are listening be better insurance agents. And you know, folks like you are generous enough with your time, especially like you said on the independent side that they want to share, and they're willing to give back because, for whatever reason, the culture, like you said, is different than the captive world and the State Farm agents and. Uh, I only say that because I was one. I'm not being critical. Um, I was one for a short time. And, you know, we're not looking to, I, I committed to two years. So we're going to go 100 episodes yep. and uh, see where that takes us. So, and I don't mind going for 10 years. And I'm 65 years old right now. So that would make me 75. Still going on with an episode in a single industry where, independent agents a single niche within that industry so it's pretty focused right uh and that's just how committed i am to to our our uh, side of the bird you know our side of the business so um yeah collabcast is in it for the long haul we're not uh we're only at 25 episodes or so now so i appreciate you coming on to help us launch basically and and get us uh you know through the first so many episodes we'll, we'll for sure having you and scott on uh together at some point so yeah def definitely should so tell me uh i know by reading your bio that for insurance uh, guys podcast 
you were able to scare and you even did a video, but I I'll be honest. I have to admit, I didn't listen to it. How you got Gary V on the show. I saw that you have that as a video on YouTube, but I didn't watch that part yet. So give us the two minute synopsis of how that happened. So I reached out to a friend of mine who's very well connected here in town. He got in touch with the senior bowl people. We had lunch. They're like, yeah, we would love to do this. Have you guys run it? So basically through that, we got Gary to Mobile to speak for free two years in a row at our conference in exchange for the relationship with the senior bowl. In addition, I got asked to speak at Gary's conference um, in Miami around the same time. It was actually the week before the senior bowl. So I had these kind of two things going on where I was in his circle. And then uh, it was kind of funny. This is a good lesson. So we got to have dinner with Gary the night before the senior bowl uh, here in Mobile and had a great conversation. Did not ask him to come on my podcast. And I had a friend that was like, why wouldn't you ask him to come on your podcast? And I was like, because it's more important to me that he knows who I am than me pitch him on my podcast and then possibly say yes. And then Mm -hmm. coincidentally, six months later, it happened. So just through those interactions, we were able to get in front of the right people to make it happen, basically, is the the long story short. But But it was, I tell agents all the time, when you go into whether it's a referral partner or whether it's a potential commercial client or anything, go into the exchange, go into the interaction, go into the lunch, the coffee, whatever, with the intention of building a relationship. Right. Anything else that happens after that is gravy, but you have to go in with the intention. That, and that's how we handled that interaction. My intention was to build a relationship. It was not to get somebody on my podcast. And I think that's a, it's a good analogy for real life as well. You know? No question. Yep. Uh, without a self-centered motive. Right. And if, yeah. if you have a, uh, if you're, if you have an ulterior motive, they're going to be able to tell. Oh, comes right out. Yep. 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 And that, that'll shoot yourself in the foot every time. So for some sure. other couple of things I want to talk to you about before we run out of time, because we could talk for hours and you're such a great storyteller. Have you always been like that? I don't know, man. I, I, I'm long. I appreciate I you saying know. that, but I have no idea. <laughs> you are. I'll tell you that. You, you know, people just are engaged to listen to your story. I'm a storyteller, um, but I have the same uh, same answer to the question. I don't know if I'm good at it. I just know that I can do it. Like I just, I could talk all day long, and it sounds like rambling to me. But some people are like, "No, it's it's cool." <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. So, how long's your wife been a State Farm agent? Uh, she started in twenty. 20- either 2017 or 2018. So did you meet while you're both in the insurance industry? So she was my next door competitor. Uh, when I was at Alpha, her State Farm office, she was opening up next door. Okay. And I reached out to her thinking like, hey, if we're going to compete with each other, we might as well be friendly. Right. So that's kind of how it happened. Like, gotcha. you know, we we became friends and then more than friends and then but it was kind of funny. I told the story yesterday to Troy. Uh, we kind of kept our relationship on the download for a little while. And then all of a sudden we were engaged. A lot of people found out we were dating when we got engaged. And so it was like talk of the town, so to speak, you know, a sure, little bit sure. like, oh, there's two people, you know, we're both on chamber boards, competitors, all this kind of stuff. So um, that was kind of a kind of a funny little thing with that. 
So do you hear people say, oh, Bradley's got it made in the shade because he's got all these leads coming in from his wife's agency because they're things that State Farm doesn't have an appetite for. And so it's just almost like, you know, built in lead pipeline. You hear that? No, I don't hear that, but I know people say that. I, I'm empathetic to the fact that people are going to think that. But if you know my wife, you know she is a rule follower to the umpteenth degree, and she does referrals the right way and refers multiple people and probably refers more stuff to uh, other agents than she does us or mm. than her office does us. Um, the other thing is, is a lot of the State Farm's pretty competitive in Alabama, always have been. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff they can't write, we don't want because we don't do non-standard auto. We don't do contractors or anything like that. So most of the stuff they can't do is not a fit for us either. Uh, Do we get some nice commercial leads sometimes? Yeah, sure. But I'm also competing with other agents because they're not just referring to us. Okay. So Portal has been around since March of 19, correct? Correct. March. So you are four, almost four and a half years old. Give us an idea of portal. Like, where are you at uh, in terms of split of business, mix between personal, commercial, a size, revenue, premium, employees, whatever you want to share? Yeah. So, we are uh, four and a half years old. We're, we're split pretty even 50 50 down the middle, commercial, personal. Okay. A lot of people like to knock on personal lines. We'll always do personal lines. We are really good at it. We almost exclusively operate in the mortgage lender referral space um, okay. on the personal line side. We don't do many, uh, hey, I'm swapping insurance or I'm trying to get a quote situation. It's mostly new purchases. Um, we modeled our process after, after Matt and Zach with GNN Insurance. I so flew up Bo- to Boston. Those that don't know, it's Bobble on. So yeah. Here, let me show you <laughs> how that works. Oh, yeah. You got your bobblehead. You know, you know, I never got bobbled. What? Never You're got kidding. it. So, never got it. So I think Matt, they stopped doing it around the time did. I came Yeah, along. they did. But they presented this to me at, a, at our IOA Innovation Conference in San Diego on stage. And so their thing is they go to social media, they target a mortgage lender, an individual that they're really wanting to get referrals from, and they go and look at their images, you know, photos on Facebook or wherever, and LinkedIn, and they have a personalized bobblehead, and they ship it to them, mail it to them with a card. Hey, we want to set up a, a time to meet. That's their in. That's their whole thing. Bobble yep. on is what it was called, and it just it just rocked the world, you know. So great, yeah. Built great they, relationships. They, they did a good job. Um, we uh, I flew up to Boston, and their and their process is a lot more in depth than just the bobbleheads. We, we actually didn't oh, adopt the bob the bobblehead piece of it. We made one bobblehead for a lender. And I was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. But uh, I flew up to Boston uh, for a four-hour meeting and flew back to Alabama just to learn their process. And so we sort of modeled our personal lens process after those guys. Um, I owe a lot to, to, to Matt and Zach. And, and Matt and I talk almost once a week. Um, we're involved in a couple projects together. But uh, And then on the commercial side, we, we do trucking and habitational. I like to joke and say we like to make things difficult. Right. Um, we operate pretty much in the entire Southeast except Florida. We're licensed in Florida, have some Florida business, but we don't specifically target Florida. Um, we are with we 12 employees. I like to measure our size by employees, not from an ego standpoint, just from a, hey, these are 12 
12 souls that portals feeding their families. Um, right, right. And, uh, and, you know, our, our goal, we're not trying to build the typical Main Street insurance agency. Our goal is to build a big national agency. That's why we named it Portal and not Bradley Flowers Insurance or Mobile Bay Insurance or something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, our mission is sort of to redefine the way insurance agencies are operated in every sense of the word. And um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, that's us in a nutshell. Cool. So operating in how many states right now? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. We're licensed in probably 30 states. Um, okay. Operating heavily as far as like targeting and writing business in four, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, we have two offices. We have one office in Alabama, one office in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, cool. A um, couple other things I want to ask you about. Tell me about making the donuts. Yeah, so uh, we started making the donuts, which is a YouTube series slash vlog to essentially document things going on in the agency. Um, a story I like to tell that I sound like a broken record telling it now, but uh, me and my wife went to the Jack Daniels distillery, not far from where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And they took us through the whole process of how they make the whiskey and told you really like how it was made, you know, and why it was made and that sort of thing. And at the end, uh, that later that night, we met up with some friends who had been there earlier that day, not at the same time as us. And my buddy's like, do you just want to like pound some Jack Daniels right now? And I was like, I kind of do. And it hit me because I knew the story and how it was made. It made me want it. And so making the donuts, uh, which we're not doing as regular as we were a few years ago. I had a full-time videographer on staff and I don't anymore. I, I just use contract guys now. But uh, that vlog was just sort of to tell the story and the behind the scenes of the agency from a marketing standpoint, um, similar to the Jack Daniels thing. But also, um, I thought it'd be really cool for my kids and grandkids to go back and watch one day. Mm-hmm. You know, if we pull this off and do this, you know, do this the way I want to do it, like, you know, my kids and grandkids will see the financial benefit of that and they'll hopefully want to watch it. Uh, and maybe they won't, maybe they won't care. Who knows? But, uh, but it worked. I mean, we've had customers that have called here or prospects called here to switch their insurance because they saw Kenneth on there and liked Kenneth's persona. And, you know, uh, and then um, we've had a, one story I like to tell is we had a carrier rep knock on our door and she came in and said, uh, I'm a carrier rep with such and such carrier. I'm a huge fan of making the donuts and I want to appoint your agency. And if you ever started a scratch agency, you know how hard some of those carrier mm-hmm. appointments sort of come by. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, that, that was, that, that's that in a nutshell. We're still, we still do it. It's just not, you know, for a while there, it was every single week. I probably do two to three a year now. It's just to kind of tell the, tell the story, tell the behind the scenes, that sort of thing. Okay. So you've got your irons in the fire in a lot of different ways. Um, tell us about Top Dog. Yeah, so Top Dog Pet Insurance, uh, my, our friend Aaron Farmer uh, out of California came to me a few years ago with a, an opportunity for to start a pet insurance MGA slash carrier. Um, and uh, we, we, we discovered a few things when we looked at pet insurance. One, most carriers don't make it really easy for agents to buy or sell pet insurance. 
Um, and additionally, a lot of the commissions were really low, you know, eight to 10 percent, that sort of thing. So those were the two things we wanted to solve for. So basically uh, what we did with Top Dog is we built a really, you know, it's not it's not exactly where I think it should be, but it's 85, 90 percent of the way there um, allows agents a really clean UX to, to sell pet insurance to their customers um, that, you know, I think a lot of people are scared to sell pet insurance similar to cybers because they don't really know all the components. We make it really easy to know all the components and learn and, and the, the platform is very self-explanatory. And then additionally, we also give them a custom branded link that they can send to their customer and the customer buy it in like a direct to consumer sense. So like at Portal, we have it built into our customer onboarding and we ask them if they have a pet, they say, yes, it sends them the top dog link. If it's like, hey, you can insure your pet here. Um, and then our commissions are higher than pretty much every other Safeco auto owners or anyone like that to sell in pet insurance. And then the other thing too is, you know, if you want a better personalized client, dirtbags don't buy pet insurance. Right. If you don't, you know, I mean, somebody that's buying insurance on their pet is probably they a good care. person. They care. Yes, about correct. Correct. They take care of business, take care of their stuff. So that's a, that's another thing too. So, uh, I don't spend as much time there as I, as I, as I want to or probably should, but it's a, it's a fun little project um, to be involved in. So, and, and Aaron's a great guy. Anything I can do with Aaron Farmer. Uh, if you guys don't know Aaron Farmer, reach out to Aaron. He's, he's yep. an awesome dude. Yep, he is. Uh, I want to touch on one last thing, and then we'll hit uh, Innovation 23, where you'll be speaking in October for yep. us on stage. Um, but uh, has it been uh, launched yet, or can you say One City World Tour for 24? uh have not has not been announced yet so we'll okay. uh we'll put a put a dog ear in that so does that mean there will be one uh it's up in there it's okay. up in there yeah i'm not gonna press you so uh bradley it's spoke... not not everybody's dave jackson and can put these phenomenal events on it's hard to put events on it's uh it's a challenge it is yes yeah. becoming more and more of a challenge i, I will say that the hard market we're working in right now is making any kind of business in our industry difficult. Uh, yep. Just is from every angle. So just is yep. uh, good, bad, or the ugly. That's how it is. So innovation yep. 23 is IOA's annual conference. This year's in October in Chicago, the Marriott Marquis. Bradley spoke for us on the stage in Nashville last year. The Gaylord Opryland, and uh, what I did—I haven't ever published this, but I'm going to say it right now. Uh, we sent out surveys to all the attendees, and we get—oh, geez, I don't know—hundreds of them back, and you get a ranking, you know, uh, a one through five star ranking. And so, what I did was I invited the top three back, and you were one of the top three uh, awesome. from Nashville, and that's how you got invited back. So. If you were a speaker in Nashville and you didn't get invited back, it wasn't my call. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a survey result. So, and that's uh, honest to God true. So, um, well, this it's, year, it's humbling for my peers to to have done that because I'm not a professionally trained speaker. No. I just get up there and talk about what we do in our agency. We're so. insurance agents. Almost none of us are professional speakers. But here's yep. the beauty of it. And I tell, you know, when we get together for our first speaker meeting at the conference, I tell everyone, uh, I can't thank you enough for being here. Most of you, many of you are speakers 
uh, part-time at least, and you demand a speaker fee, and we don't pay that. You come uh, at your own accord. We give you a free ticket. Otherwise, your costs are yours, and you do it because you're giving back to your peers. And that's just an unbelievable, tremendous thing. Selfless act of kindness, and that's that's why people keep coming back because the ideas and information you have to share are outstanding and you do it from the bottom of your heart and for no other reason, not because you're paid to be there. So that's yeah. a very cool thing. And that's part of our, been our format since year one. Uh, I don't see us changing that, but so you're coming back to Chicago. Give us a glimpse of what you're going to be talking about uh, in a couple of months. Yeah, so I, I can do it in just a few seconds. Um, so the way I run my agency uh, is sort of the opposite of the way a lot of agencies are run. A lot of agencies are run from the bottom up. In other words, the, the agency owner is the bottleneck for everything. Um, and I think that you know everything has to run through the agency owner. Maybe the agency owner is the top salesperson, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that can be done for a little while, but then it gets really hard to scale your agency if you are the bottleneck for everything. So I run my agency from the top down. Um, I almost run it like a holding company. I, I'm not I'm not in the day to day. I have people in place and that sort of thing and um, and don't very well very much get involved in the weeds. Usually if I'm involved in a customer, it's because something's really, really bad. And uh, there's a ton of positives of that it you know stress being able to take off you know i took two months off when my son was born didn't have social media email or anything on my phone attended no meetings at the agency and everything still ran like a top because of the the awesome people i have in place so my presentation is titled go fire yourself and it's it's basically i'm going to take you guys step by step of how because my agency didn't start out that way i started out as the top salesperson of how we transition from an agency owner first culture to an agency owner last culture mm -hmm. yeah we almost got a little edgy with the title and say go f yourself but uh it was go fire yourself yeah uh, you know we're in a pc uh type industry so we'll keep it that way i'm good with sure. it but you know but it, it is what it is so, i might i might have added a slide in with that on there just to, ah, to, to, to poke fun so filling the tea okay okay so uh I appreciate you, Bradley, for coming on with us today. Our listeners, as always, love to hear your wisdom. Uh, you're a great storyteller. You've got, for some reason, you've got this knack of just taking ideas and making them come to life. Uh, and uh, we admire that about you. So thank you for sharing you. what you do. Absolutely. So once again, we've had Bradley Flowers from Portal Insurance in Mobile, Alabama, as our guest today. And we want to thank all of you if you're listening. Uh, you're hearing this just a few weeks out from our conference in Chicago, Illinois, on October 4, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, so go to IOA.com if you're interested in attending our conference. It's for IOA members only, and uh, you can bring a guest, and that's it. We're not wide open to the industry. We don't allow you know, captive agents. Obviously, they're not members of our group. We don't allow carrier personnel unless you're an exhibitor. We don't, don't allow um, third party. We don't allow staff. So we keep it to the agency principals slash owners slash partners, those who have an ownership ownership stake in their agency. And that seems to be what uh, makes the secret sauce go. So, And like I said before, Bradley, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom. We'll see you early October. Thanks again. Thanks, Dave.
You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to CollabCast with IAOA with Captain Dave Jackson. Production and distribution by Podsquad.fm, Riverside.fm, and Spotify for podcasters. Special thanks to Little Dog Social Media, Terry Champion, and all our guests and listeners. If you're an independent insurance agency owner, please subscribe to our podcast weekly. You can also request to join our agency owner exclusive Facebook group, IAOA, or Insurance Agency Owners Alliance at IAOA.com. Captain Dave Jackson signs out from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee.